cause and effect. We analyse what went right and what went wrong as we discover that many outcomes can be predicted, planned for and even prevented. I'm John Chigi and this is Causality. Causality is part of the Engineered Network. To support our shows, including this one, head over to our Patreon page and for other great shows, visit engineered.network today. Smiler. On the 2nd of June 2015, an incident occurred at the Alton Towers Resort in Staffordshire, in the United Kingdom, on a roller coaster called the Smiler, where a fully loaded carriage crashed into another, injuring all on board and resulting in limb amputations for some of the victims. The resort is normally simply called Alton Towers. It includes a water park, a hotel, and several roller coaster attractions. The grounds themselves were originally a private estate, however, in 1860 they were open to the public as a fundraising measure. But it wasn't until 1980 that it was opened as a theme park. It's currently the second most visited theme park in the United Kingdom. The Smiler is a steel roller coaster that was built on the same area as the then decommissioned Black Hole Coaster that had closed in 2005, and construction of the Smiler began in December 2012 by a German ride manufacturer, Gerstlauer. Originally intended to open in March 2013, construction delays pushed this back to mid-May 2013. However, during a press event run, a carriage of riders was stranded at the top of the lift hill, pushing the opening back another week and a half. It finally opened on the 31st of May 2013 and consisted of a five-block section design permitting up to five trains, each carrying 16 passengers in a 4x4 grid arrangement to operate simultaneously with a maximum theoretical limit of 1,200 patrons per hour. The ride was initially plagued with issues in the first six months of operating, including train stalling, brake trigger malfunctions, a section of track began separating to a dangerous level, cracking in the ride support pylons, and four people were injured when they were struck by guide wheels that had detached from the chain guide during the lift hill ascent. These issues were eventually resolved, however the ride was considered to be quite complex and had some unusual behaviour. The ride itself has 14 inversions, has a duration of 2 minutes and 45 seconds, and a top speed of 53 miles per hour, 85 kilometers an hour, and riders experience a maximum of 4.5 Gs. Since roller coasters are momentum driven, they have two common restrictions, wind and surface friction. High winds not only make tracks and structures sway dangerously, changing safe clearances between objects as the carriages go past at a high speed, but wind also creates additional drag and slows down the carriages. Conversely, rain reduces friction on the track and allows carriages to travel much faster than their design intent and can also present issues when trying to stop carriages. Finally, the mass of the carriage is critical. Running empty or unloaded is the least likely case to make it around the track since momentum is equal to mass times velocity. Hence, less mass has less momentum, and if there are going to be issues, it will be at the extremes of loading for any given carriage, with overloaded carriages also potentially leading to difficulty in stopping. We note, before continuing, that no names of those involved from the Alton Towers have been publicly released, and the reports and articles supporting this incident have been heavily redacted to protect their identities. It was a windy day. And by lunchtime on the day of the incident, 
strong winds had forced the closure of the Skyride cable cars. Winds were gusting up to 46 miles per hour, which is 40 knots or 74 kilometers per hour at about 1 p.m. that afternoon. And that's strong enough to break small twigs from trees and present an impediment when trying to walk into it. Shortly after 1 p.m., the ride operator on the Smiler stopped the ride after completing its current cycles and closed the ride to investigate a warning light that persisted on the control panel. Two ride engineers were called to investigate this warning light. Whilst the ride was empty and due to the unusually high number of patrons in the theme park that day, a member of staff decided to add the fifth carriage into circulation on the track as the ride had currently been operating with only four carriages that morning. Whilst the fifth carriage was being added, a process that took about five minutes, staff sent an empty carriage around the track after clearing the warning light to confirm the ride was operating normally as is standard practice before restarting a ride for patrons to use. The empty carriage failed to make it up one of the inclines triggering a new warning on the control panel. Two different engineers were then sent to investigate that new issue. At 1.40pm, a second empty carriage was sent around the track. However, that train failed to make the incline and rolled a distance back down the track. At 1.42pm, it was sitting at a standstill in a valley between loops in a section known as the Cobra Roll. The ride was handed back to the operator who began loading people into the next carriage. At 1.43pm, the first loaded carriage in nearly an hour started up the first lift hill, but stopped near the top. The ride's control system stopped the carriage from entering the next block section, indicating that there was a carriage in that block section ahead of it. One ride engineer counted the positions of four carriages on the track, unaware that there had been a fifth carriage added during the troubleshooting over the past 45 minutes. The fifth carriage was still sitting in a valley and the operator could not see it clearly from their operating position or on any of the CCTV cameras fitted throughout the ride. At 1.51pm, satisfied that the block occupied indication was incorrect, the ride engineer went to the local block reset panel and both they and the operator simultaneously pressed the safety reset buttons that cleared the interlock and allowed the loaded carriage to go over the top of the lift hill and enter the next block section. 25 seconds later, travelling at near top ride speed, the fully loaded carriage collided with the stationary empty carriage with a deafening bang. Onlookers caught some of the incident on their smartphone video camera. They couldn't see exactly what had happened, but the screams were clearly audible as people came to grips with what had happened. The set of carriages rocked back and forth up and down that section of track for over a minute until coming to a standstill. The damaged carriages were now stuck at an awkward angle and difficult to easily reach, as those severely injured lost large quantities of blood onto the ground below. The extent of the passengers' injuries was initially underestimated by the theme park staff as they attempted to access the carriages. It was 2.08pm before the first emergency call to 999 was made, nearly 20 minutes later. The first paramedics arrived on the scene at 2.37pm, nearly 50 minutes after the incident. Police didn't arrive on the scene until 2.57pm. It took nearly five hours to release all of the passengers from the carriage. Vicky Balsh and Leah Washington were seated in the front row of the carriage. They were both airlifted to hospital. 
both required leg amputations as the force of the impact had destroyed one of each of their legs beyond recovery. The HSE Health and Safety Executive issued a prohibition notice for the Smiler ride and it was closed pending an investigation and for remedial action to be undertaken. The HSE commissioned Stephen Flanagan to provide a report investigating the incident given his background and experience in safety engineering. The report was 254 pages long, of which the first 32 contained specific content and was released internally on the 8th of October 2015. Copies, though heavily redacted, were obtained under the Freedom of Information Act in following months. In addition, the HSE pursued a criminal investigation on the actions of two employees, the ride operator and one of the ride engineers. So what went wrong? Four of the engineers working to fix the ride on that day had never read nor seen the ride's operating instruction manual. Two of the engineers had not even seen the ride's risk assessment, which summarizes the key potential high-risk aspects of the ride overall. The ride itself had a history of malfunctions and a large quantity of regular alarm indications on block faults. A lack of understanding by the ride engineers as to exactly what was causing those high number of alarms led to a a mistrust of the control system and a belief by the staff that the control system was fundamentally unreliable. This attitude led to a further belief that their own judgments were better than that of the control system. The ride mechanical engineers that were loading the additional carriage onto the track did not clearly communicate this fact to the other ride engineers or the operator despite the fact they knew that the other were simultaneously investigating the original ride faults. The CCTV camera system was intended to cover all parts of the track. However, there were several spots where visibility was somewhat limited. Camera 9 was pointed at the pit area where the empty carriage originally came to rest. Investigators found that whilst half of the carriage was visible, The colours of the seats and the carriage blended in too much with the colour of the track, the ground and fencing that surrounded it. Hence, at a casual glance, the operator did not notice the presence of the empty carriage on camera 9. The intention of the dual reset functionality in order to override the block interlock fault was that there were two reset positions, one at the main control panel's operating position and one at the local block reset panel. The right engineer that reset from the Block 3 local panel did not clearly see that the empty carriage was present and had satisfied themselves by counting the locations of four carriages on the tracks under the mistaken assumption that there was no fifth carriage and did not satisfactorily check the entirety of the block section that they reset prior to their resetting it. In addition to that, the ride engineer that did the local reset on the local panel was greatly concerned about the growing downtime of the ride. Management at Alton Towers had set downtime targets for all of their rides and linked bonuses with achieving lower downtimes. There were even downtime clocks in the control cabins showing downtime accumulating for each ride. The level of thoroughness and the fact the ride had already been down for 45 minutes contributed to an overall lack of thoroughness before returning the ride to service. Fundamentally, though, the ride shouldn't have been operating. Why did the empty carriage not make the incline? Why did it roll backwards and land in the valley and stay there in the first place? 
The reason was that there was too much wind. The maximum wind speed for operating the ride was set by the manufacturer at 34 miles per hour, which is 30 knots or 55 kilometers an hour. Due to the lack of momentum from a lightweight empty carriage, coupled with the additional drag from gusts of high winds beyond the design maximum, the carriage was unable to overcome that incline and ultimately was the reason why it rolled back into its ultimately fateful position. Alton Towers made 30 changes to the Smiler ride following the incident to improve its safety before it reopened. On the 19th of March 2016, nine months after the incident, the ride was reopened for the start of the 2016 summer season. Despite this, six rides remained closed during the 2016 season as a result of the incident, and 190 employees were made redundant as a direct result of lost revenue from dramatically reduced visitor numbers. Merlin Entertainment accepted full liability and responsibility for the incident, saying the company had, quote, let people down with devastating consequences, end quote. Merlin Entertainment were fined £5 million and paid damages to those injured. When the Smiler reopened following the incident, one of the first passengers to take the ride again was a gentleman by the name of Mr. Jim Harvey. He was quoted by the BBC as saying the following, You have to feel bad for the people that got hurt, but hundreds of accidents happen daily on the roads. There's not a nice way to say it, but accidents happen. Now, there's nothing particularly noteworthy about Mr. Harvey and what he said, but to me, it's maddening, absolutely maddening, that so many people think this way. There were two dismissals that he made in his interpretation of the events, equivalence and misclassification. So let's look at each of them. Dismissal by equivalence. Because something happens in a completely different place, in completely different circumstances, it makes this less of an issue, apparently. Driving on a road is a completely different circumstance. There are hundreds of thousands of miles of road and millions of vehicles freely able to drive wherever they like on that road. It is nothing like a roller coaster. A roller coasters are fixed to the ground. They can't move and the carriages must follow the track. We have complete control of it. No one can swerve in front. We program it using a control system to keep people safe. And it can, and it did, in this particular case, until a human bypassed it. So the second problem was a dismissal by misclassification. So many people said it was an accident. The whole premise of causality, there are no accidents. It was an incident. It wasn't an accident. There are a few things in this world that are truly genuine accidents because this was completely foreseeable. The ride designers put the local reset panel out in the field, away from the operator station, right next to the actual block section where the train would have been sitting. And that was done intentionally to ensure someone physically went out to look at that block section, to walk it from end to end, to confirm it was clear before they reset that alarm and that interlock. The park had already closed a ride due to high winds. It shouldn't have been running at that time anyway. Also, the people working there didn't understand enough about how the ride worked. 
and they blame the control system for their own poor understanding of how it worked. They didn't trust the system that was designed to protect the riders above all else. And when you manually override and reset an automation system, you take all that responsibility in your hands. And they did. If you don't understand why the system works the way it does, try and understand it better. And if it's actually broken, get it fixed. But it wasn't. Finally, though, the pressure to get that ride running again. Whatever happened to safety first? If you're so busy worrying about a stupid metric or a key performance indicator, KPI for short, and you forget that people's lives are at stake, then you've lost it. If you're working for a company that pushes those sorts of KPIs without some kind of balance with safety, then you should not work for them. And if you're motivated by cutting corners to make money at the expense of others' safety, either directly or indirectly, maybe you need to have a good hard think about what motivates you. Because you could say, maybe, at least no one died in this incident. Technically true. Next time, though, they mightn't be that lucky. If you can even call it lucky. The cost of Vicky and Leah's artificial limbs I think significantly outweighed the extra three or four minutes that it would have taken for that engineer to walk the block section to confirm it was clear before hitting reset. Downtime metrics be damned. If you're enjoying causality and want to support the show, you can. Like some of our backers, Ivan and Chris Stone, they and many others are patrons of the show via Patreon and you can find it at patreon.com slash johnchidgey, all one word. Patron rewards include a named thank you on the website, a named thank you at the end of episodes, access to pages of raw show notes, as well as ad-free, high-quality releases of every episode. There's a back catalogue of ad-free episodes available and a new Making an Episode tier as well. So if you'd like to contribute something, anything at all, there's lots of great rewards, and beyond that, it's all very much appreciated. Causality is part of the Engineered Network, and you can find it at engineered.network, and you can follow me on Mastodon at chigi at engineered.space, or for our shows on Twitter at engineered underscore net. This was Causality. I'm John Chigi. Thanks for listening.